It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at Three Point Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners great news to report sheridan realty and auction company has built a new 7500 square foot warehouse in owasso now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof whether you are able to bring us a vehicle an atv furniture it goes inside go to sheridanauctionservice.com to see more more importantly stop down and see us at 1007 south washington street you'll do better with sheridan Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. It's time for episode 190 of the Three Point Podcast. I'm Ted Fattel of Z92.5 The Castle with ESPN's Matt Burns and Jared Fattel of Bally Sports Detroit. The Spartans beat the Wolverines in an instant classic, and we are all still a bit stunned. The Lions, they were horrible as they continue to stay perfect, and the high school football playoffs are underway with the winners, including Corona, New Lothrop, and Morris. Our team includes Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, JJ's Excavating and Tree Services, Kendall Drugs, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z925, the castle. Well, fellas, we're definitely going to get a deep dive into the game, but just playing a little catch-up, I was kind of busy myself doing a couple of high school football games. We kind of talked about it last week, and we'll start with the Corona game and Flint Powers. You know, Powers came in 3-6. and six. There was a lot of debate whether they should have been even involved in the playoffs. Of course, they made it with the change this year with playoff points. A lot of points weighted towards your strength of schedule, but I mean, Corona went over to Atwood Stadium and basically just put a butt whipping on them. I, yeah, I didn't watch, but it looked like – I mean, what, first, let me just say this. Good for Corona. How about the fact that, one, they've we've made the drop down to Division Five, which we were talking pre-show. That is maybe the biggest victory Corona Athletics has had in, you know, our entire lives because you, you look at the examples of – you know, even my team where we won two games and then you had Detroit Country Day waiting for us where we got pulled Detroit. You had Matt Matt's team in Division Four as well. Nine and O team, really good team, arguably the best team in Corona history. Oh, game number one, they're they're getting pulled all the way to the west side of the state to play all the Grand Rapids schools. Now that we're Division Five and we're for, for close enough to Flint where we're we're dodging the Lansing Catholics, the Portlands. And now we're getting pulled toward Flint, which doesn't even have schools anymore. I mean, Flint's powers is, you know, within the last six, seven years. I mean, I remember my junior year, they were a Ford field, probably should have won a state title that year. And now seven years later, they're going three, three and six. And, you know, Corona is just whipping them where it's not even they don't even look like they're on the same, you know, in the same sport. So it's just ultimately what a great 
great day it is to be a Corona alum because <laughs> the the path is laid not only for this team to make a, a, a good playoff run, but for the next five years, 10 years, 15 years to just keep getting put in these sort of lackluster districts and just keep making our way out of it, honestly. Yeah, it, it is It is cool to see that they're maybe going to have some success coming up here in the next few years, especially if they keep building on some talent and building a, a strong program with Coach Eric back. But, um, yeah, the, the first thing I wanted to ask, and what I was going to say to that too is, yeah, everything you said is spot on, Jared, but it's the same with March Madness. You know, sometimes you get a really good draw. Right. And sometimes when you're the one or two seed, you get that tough, you know, 15 or 16 seed or, you know, something like that. So, you can only play the teams that are that are drawn for you. So it's it's awesome to see the Cavaliers moving on. But I was going to ask Ted. I, I listened to a lot of the game Friday night. Awesome job calling the game as always, you and Bart. Thanks. So how was at, yeah? How was Atwood Stadium? I mean, we kind of talked about it. I know it's kind of changed a little bit with Kettering owning it. Is it still like a cool classic feel, or is it just a little different now? Uh, it, it's still very very cool. I mean, yeah, they have the. It's a lot nicer turf than they used to have, mm-hmm. but uh, you know the 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 surrounding uh stadium still the same press box was nice but i mean it just has that nice feel you know and it's one of the rare places where we broadcast from where the scoreboard we're sitting on the 50 yard line scoreboards right directly awesome. opposite you know because it's a horseshoe. <laughs> it's like a basketball field yeah it's, it's a horseshoe facing, basketball facing the the the, the, the uh, scoreboard so it, it's awesome i really had some flashback memories and it's a great stadium to, to watch and play you, at. You, you know what's funny is i was actually just talking to a corona alum uh this weekend who was telling me he played on like the 1982 team or something that that played flint powers at atwood stadium and he was telling me you know, to this day, that's still like one of his favorite memories was just playing on that AstroTurf. Yeah. And I mean, that, that field has so much history behind it. And, you know, I, I'm jealous of the kids that, you know, this past Friday got to go there and, you know, whip powers right on their home field. It's awesome. Yeah. And it was, it was a classic evening, too. If it had been not artificial turf, man, it would have been a quagmire because it rained the whole time. Man. Right. And there was a lot of, a lot of different games. Probably the game you were at or was that oh, on yeah. turf? Oh, yeah. Never stopped raining. Never it was stopped. on turf, but yeah, yeah, never stopped raining. Yeah. Well, the Cavaliers look pretty yeah. good for sure. You know, they got led by uh, Jared Ed- Jaden Eddington, a sophomore. He had three touchdowns. Wyatt Bauer, another sophomore, picked off two passes, including a pick six. Uh, you know, the cupboard's not bare. It looks pretty good for Corona moving down the road, and they go now on the road to take on Armada. I think that's how you say it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, looking at this team, I mean, they have some great skill position players. I mean, Jaden Herrick, probably, I would say, honestly, probably the fastest quarterback Corona's ever had. He's He's got game-breaking speed, yep. uh, and it's really a lot of fun to see. But, I mean, I at the know. end of the uh, Okay. I'll, yeah. let, I'll let you have that one. Uh, who would you – you're saying Clough? Clough was quick, maybe, but he was not super fast. I mean, didn't doesn't he has the longest run, I think, in Corona history, but he got caught on that. He didn't even score a touchdown. <laughs> So that's all you need to know about his speed. Um, okay. Uh, but uh, uh, Herrick, uh, yeah, great. But when you come coming into this game Friday, I would say Corona is the favorite, which is maybe the first time, you know, other than maybe, I guess, uh, when I played or even before that, where Corona's a favorite heading into a district final. So, Gotta you know, be careful just, on yeah, the road as a favorite. I don't you know. You know, they've been playing pretty much this whole season as an underdog. Now that they're the favorite, you just hope that they – still encapsulate the same thing that's gotten them this same far. Same mentality, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I know we were talking, we don't know a whole lot about Armada, Armada. You know, we're not even sure how to pronounce the, the town. <laughs> and so no disrespect to them. But, right, I mean, the the biggest thing, even if Corona's the, the favorite, going on the road, you know, you never know about that. That bus, what, a couple hours, probably two or yep. three hour drive over there. Right. Sometimes your legs, yeah, your legs get a little stiff, or, you know, you got to sit on that bus. So that, that could come into play. But, yeah, definitely cool to see Corona – 
having success this year. And from everything we hear and you guys are talking about and everything you hear, they're, they're looking pretty good with a lot of sophomores already contributing. But um, I, I was going to ask you too, Ted, about the Field of Dreams. You did the Morris game too on Saturday. And one of my sisters, Christine, her family, they're like rooted deep in the Morris community because her, her husband and his family, they born and raised, they, they lived in, in Morris their whole lives. So she, she actually was working in the concession stand for the game on Saturday. And um, so, yeah, they're, they're big in the Morris community. But they've, Jared, you said they were going to win that game like 500 to nothing, but they ended up winning what, 50 to nothing? 50 to nothing. <laughs> 500 on my sheet here, yeah. it looks like. <laughs> I'll just uh, – I was. I thought this as soon as I saw you post a picture of you at that game, uh, and we'll get into Michigan-Michigan State. How the hell did you call a game after after watching that Michigan-Michigan oh, State game? It was it must tough. have been hard getting – you weren't exactly Gus Johnson in the booth up there with the energy, I did, were you? I did my best, man. I did my <laughs> best. I'll tell you what, I you know, when they put the mic on, when that – when it turns on air, baby, you got to put it into a whole different level. But yeah, it was tough. It was tough. <laughs> and, and like I posted, I think on Twitter, I, you know, I'm glad it wasn't a night game, the Michigan game, because there's no way I would have been able to go to sleep till probably two or three in the morning. But the Morris Orioles back to them again. I mean, you called it. This is a. I think it's a a run right to the state finals. Who knows what'll come out mm-hmm. on the other side of the bracket? But they are. Their quarterbacks, powerful, fast, Wyatt Wesley. They got a lot more players than him, though, which really surprised me. I mean, they're they're loaded, man. They're, I, I don't see anybody stopping them on defense. People, you know, give eight-man football a lot of crap. But I tell you what, I, I respect them. A lot of teams think they're like – our schools think they're above making that move. But it's awesome. I mean, look at Morris. I mean, it's really brought the whole community together. I mean, I love hearing about them. I love that they're doing good. I, it's very cool that, hey, if, if you're – you know, they for the longest time had to play against New Lothrop, and we we remember those like kind of butt whoopings, and it's just right. good to see uh, them kind of turning the entire table on teams, and now they're the ones doing the butt kicking. Well, you know what's kind of fun from my point of view too, being an old dog. You know, when we go to some of these places, you know, some people think that's eh, just another night, but when when we go to broadcast at Morris, it's like it's Howard Cosell in the Monday night game that's coming awesome. into town. They just yeah. love us over there, so it was fun to do. They made great accommodations, the best they could with tarps and stuff on the top of the bleachers, and uh, yeah, they're that's well cool. on their way to going real deep, and uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, we were talking about the weekend. We'll catch up and then get to that Michigan Michigan State game. Uh, Halloween too. Oh, yeah. Did you guys have some big Halloween plans? I I was busy working. But I was driving around, you know, great cruise night. Halloween, always a great cruise night. <laughs> See all the kids in the costumes walking downtown. I don't know if it's because it's it's cold, you know, which it seems like it is every year, or if people just don't have, you know, it's like Elf and they don't have the Halloween spirit anymore. But it just seems like every year there's less and less trick-or-treaters. Mm-hmm. But then you see pictures of Matt and, you know, he's in full regalia, like great costumes. And, <laughs> and I think that maybe we just need to go uh, where he's at. That seems to be where Halloween's really popping off. Warmer weather. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I was going to point to that. I mean, it was mid-70s, you know, this weekend, this past weekend, wow. Halloween. So I bet weather does come into play. I think it's also like different cities, towns, you know, whatever communities, kind of depending on what day Halloween falls, maybe change, maybe they do their trick-or-treat on Friday. They do their trick-or-treat on Saturday, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. So, so that probably is maybe a little confusing for some people. But no, I, I had a, a great Halloween weekend. I think I mentioned last week, on the podcast my parents are in town right now so they came down for a visit so yeah we did the whole trunk or treat thing on saturday got my got my daughter all dressed up she's the one of the newer disney princesses raya i'm sure you guys haven't watched that movie yet but no. i would recommend it mm-hmm. want to watch a new disney princess movie it's good um so yeah my daughter dressed up for that on saturday and then on sunday 
we went to, there's an amusement park down here. I probably talked about it's uh, it's owned by Cedar Point. It's a little smaller than Cedar Point, but we went there because they had it all done up for Halloween and stuff like that during the day. And then at night, you know, when the grandparents are town, Ted, you, you know about this. We, we got, we're getting to take, take advantage of my parents being in town. My daughter's been staying with them this whole time. So nice. yeah, my daughter stayed with them and my wife and I, we were able to go to at night at the amusement park. They kind of do it up for like more adults, you know, like more, they call it scarewinds where zombies are all over the place. They got like all these uh-huh. acts and stuff, um, like haunted trails and all the rides are like dressed up all haunted and stuff like that. So, so yeah, actually like overall, like a really good halloween weekend got to do the kid stuff and actually got to do a little adult stuff too it was fun that's awesome man i know uh you know i got to talk about my granddaughter for just a second you know the two three-year-olds got their real first experience trick-or-treating and uh, i saw my daughter jessica posted on twitter or on facebook uh a picture of parker who started off slow she said you know, a little bit nervous going up to the first couple houses, yeah. but she picked up on it in a hurry, and she became a savage, I guess, and just filled that bag full <laughs> of candy. So I was over at um, my girlfriend's, and it was just us two there. While her mom, uh, her sister, her mom's sister was in town, so they were hanging out there. And the light on the porch was on, and it's a neighborhood that never gets trick or treaters. All of a sudden, the doorbell rang, mm-hmm. and my quick thinking ran right into the kitchen, started like searching through everything and somehow, some way found a Reese's and it was a full size. Oh. So dropped it off. The kid was wearing like a skeleton costume, but uh, I, I will say when I am older, I feel like I will be passing out candy. It, it's an ultimate rush. The kids love it. You yeah. would think that you are handing them a piece of gold oh, with yeah. how they act. Oh, it's my wife's when favorite thing. When you're handing out full size Reese's peanut butter cups, that essentially is gold. I mean, it, you, yeah. you figure out quickly. I remember the first time, I was the same way, Jared. The first time, I was, like, excited. First time I kind of, like, lived in a house with some buddies or whatever, you know. We were kind of like, hey, let's, let's hand out candy to these kids. You know, we were, like, having drinks and stuff like that. So we were like, let's, let's be the cool house. Yeah. Let's go, like, get full-size candy bars and stuff. And, like, you, you don't realize, like, kids talk. All of a sudden, we were out of candy in, like, yeah. 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. And then we had to start breaking it to the kids that we were out of candy. So... You'll, you'll, you got to figure out a, a method, I guess. Ted, you probably know all about it. Oh yeah, well you, you just don't, you you just buy large, you know. Make sure you have plenty because it's not going to spoil right away. So you got I, candy afterwards. This is kind of horrible, but I remember seeing this when I was a kid. Uh, we like one of our neighbors uh, was gone for Halloween, and they put out like a bucket of candy <laughs> with like, oh, take one, and and I watched this kid I was with literally take the entire bucket and dump it into his pillowcase, like very first house. This is right as Halloween started trick or treating. They were already out. Oh, I mean, that's just, it just cracks me up. Uh, that's obviously not what it was intended for, but it is hilarious. There's always back. one in the crowd. There <laughs> always is. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, good stuff, boys. Well, unfortunately, we do have to talk about what went on in East Lansing. I think we might have a couple thoughts on that, and uh, we'll get right to it right after this. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. 
JJ's Excavating and Tree Services can help you with many homeowner items including skid steer work, footings, and gravel work along with property maintenance. JJ's Excavating and Tree Service also experts in tree removals including stump grinding. Fully insured, no job too big or too small. Call Kyle Jones of JJ's at 989-277-9059 to set up a free estimate and tell him Three Point Podcast sent you. Kendall Drugs in Corona are there for you. They take special care of all patients because they could be your mother, father, sibling, aunt, uncle, niece, or nephew standing at the counter. Centrally located in the heart of Shiawassee County, right across from the courthouse. No insurance? No problem. Come on in and talk with Patrick Kendall, and he'll be happy to work with you and is very competitive on prices with no gouging. Now taking new patients and prescription transfers. Stop in Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Kendall Drugs in Corona. Or give them a call at 989-720-4295. This is not the place that we should start, but this is where I'm going to start. Just because of how disappointing it really was. Uh, You guys know I was really high on Corum. You know, Blake Corum was my guy. I really thought that this was going to be, you know, his coming out party where he went into Michigan lore forever. And I... I don't know. It's it's hard for a run. It's hard for me to understand how a running back can seem like so like checked out and just not be making any plays. But you go back and look at Corum, and honestly, when you really think about it, the two arguably the two biggest plays of the game, I blame on him. He, one, he had that huge drop that would have put us up fourteen zero. I mean, he's waltzing into the end zone. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, he wouldn't have scored on it." He had the angle on the one guy that had any sort of shot at tackling him. And then later on in the game. A lot of people just, you know, went right after J.J. McCarthy's throat. But I was like Jimmy Fallon in uh, Fever Pitch where he's, like, rewatching like, the Bill Buckner error, like, over and over again. I, I've watched that highlight of that play over and over and over again. And what I realized is it's not like McCarthy put it on Corm's hip. It's not like McCarthy didn't, you know, do a nice handoff. What happened was I'm pretty sure Corum thought it was a play-action pass because you look at everyone else on the field, the wide receivers are blocking, no one is going downfield for a pass, and it's not even like it was a read option. Like, McCarthy was handing it off and doing, like, the fake little bootleg around. I think Corum just, like, spaced out or something and just didn't hold on to the ball and just dropped it. And the easy thing to do was just blame it on McCarthy, but I'm telling you, go back and rewatch that play. I seriously think it was Corum. And why that is so depressing is because we were talking about it last week. This guy was, you know, the person that everyone eyes go to on Michigan, like just the flat-out electric factory back. And not only did Michigan only rush for 100 yards between him and Haskins, but, man, two game, game-breaking plays, he just came up short. And it's just depressing because I really, really thought – that he was going to be the big storyline coming out of this weekend, and he just wasn't. Yeah, I, I kind of thought about, you know, you're, we all kind of gave our takes, our, our predictions, I guess, for the game on last week's podcast, and I thought about you bringing up Corum, and I, I agreed with you. I thought he was going to have, you know, like a hell of a game, and it did kind of seem like after that drop, that early drop that he had, he yeah, maybe almost seemed a little checked out. I mean, Michigan State did really good, did a good job stopping the run, but he just didn't seem like himself. I don't know. You know, I, yeah, I don't know if he was affected by that drop or what. But, yeah, I, I same thing, Jared. I watched that replay a number of times, and it just seemed like 100% miscommunication. Like, I don't know if it was supposed to be a play action or what was going on. But, you know, aside from that, um, we, we talked about it a little bit. I, it, it's so tough for me right now because, like I said, my parents are in town. I'm in, spending time with them, so mm-hmm. I'm having a good time. But then, like, randomly I'll start thinking about the game, and I'll, like, get pissed off. Or I'll, yep. I'll hop on Twitter quick, kind of see what's going on. 
and I'll see, obviously, a ton of still Michigan, Michigan State dog, and I'll get annoyed. This is just one of those those games that, you know, that Michigan's lost a ton of games. We, we've watched Michigan lose a ton of games and, and in a number of different ways. I, this this one, though, is, is going to sting for a while because they ha- I feel like they had this game won multiple times. I feel like in the first quarter, after they picked Thorn off two times, it felt like they were they kind of were like had a stranglehold on the game a little yeah. bit. All they had to do was like take care of business, just play a clean game, and you had it won. Okay, they let Michigan State battle back, and then in the third quarter, I'm sitting here, I'm watching the game with my dad, and it's middle of the third quarter, thirty thirty to fourteen, sixteen point lead, and I, I told my dad in middle of the third quarter, I said, "You're sitting here in the middle of the third quarter, sixteen point lead. All you got to do is finish this game." You don't have to do anything crazy. Don't turn the ball over. You don't like just play a clean game, finish this out, and get out of here with a win. And next thing you know, Michigan State is just like Kenneth Walker is going crazy. And it's just one of those like we said before we started recording. They had the game won and gave it away. I mean, you you give credit to Michigan State because they played a great game. They came back and won. But I, I I still feel like Michigan gave this one away, and and it stings because. Cade McNamara had a hell of a day. I don't think the defense played that bad yet. Kenneth Walker went off. He was like Bo Jackson in Tecmo Bowl. But, I mean, he's just a good player. Otherwise, I think the defense played pretty well. Michigan just gave it away, and it stings. It it sucks. I agree with you. And, you know, everything both of you said, yeah, you got to give credit to Michigan State because they took it to them at the end. But Michigan did kind of give it away. You know, another big play that they – didn't complete, and this was McNamara on the flea flicker, just just basically just overthrew yeah, his guy. That was a big play, but they that also was, scored on the next play. Though. That's true. That's true. No, another like it's just it's just the class. Like that was why, like after the game, Matt, I felt like I just I could feel the sadness through your like instant reaction video, <laughs> and I was very sad too. It's like in years past, like. Uh, you know, I would have been right on Twitter, you know, going back and forth with everybody. Uh, you know, I, I would probably still would be going in Twitter arguments right now. Something clicked in my brain after that game where it was almost like just an acceptance. Like, you know, it, it, we, a lot of people were blaming the refs. A lot of people were blaming, you know, the McCarthy fumble. If this hadn't happened, if that happened, happened. Here's the thing under Harbaugh and really just Michigan ever since I've been alive in these games – you know, you remember the uh, 2016 Ohio State game. You remember the trouble with the snap game. It's like we dominate them, but yet we're just like snake bitten or Can't we're cursed, and we just we do like the smallest mistakes while the other team somehow starts to play like perfect. Like you look at that that game, fourth and four, Michigan State, uh, Jaden Reed. One, I was right about him being in my nightmares. Uh, now he is officially in my nightmares after that game. What a player. And just the fact every time they needed a big play, he made it. Uh, going back to that that fourth and four, one thing that I will say just kind of wondering about Michigan is uh, I wrote down the safety's name. It was Moten. Uh, I don't know what the hell he was doing on that play. You know, Jaden Reed's been split out wide all game. All of a sudden, they move him into a into the slot on fourth and four. I mean, where the hell do you think they're going with the ball? <laughs> and this free safety just gave absolutely no help to Dax Hill. I mean, come on, just maybe let's double this guy. I mean, they literally had two playmakers in the pass game. Really, Naylor only made one play. And he was just shut too, down right? Reed. Just shut him down. I, like that's the one like coaching correction I would make to maybe Jim Harbaugh or defensive coordinator or whoever. Like, let's load up the box and let's just take away Reed, and I'm not sure how they put up 37 points on us. I mean, Thorne did all but fumble and throw the game away. Like, let's just, you know, take care of two guys, and they're, they're not going to be able to do anything on offense. I, I don't know. Maybe it's, yeah, that's, that's simplifying it, but that's just, like, seems like maybe if we put a couple guys on Reed on those big third downs, uh, they're not putting up almost 40 points on us. 
Yeah, and that's what's crazy. You know, I agree. And it did kind of bottle up the offense a little bit. Again, I know Kenneth Walker went absolutely berserk. But, like, if you kind of, like, watch some of those the runs, it's almost like the defense called the right play. Now, a couple times they did catch Michigan in those crazy substitutions they do. That's one of those things. Like, Michigan's been doing that all year, and everyone's kind of been wondering, like, at some point this is going to come back to bite them. They always they rotate guys out in, in and out all the time. And you you can just tell that Michigan State saw that on film and probably told Thorne, whenever you see Michigan State or whenever you see Michigan bringing guys in, get to the line of scrimmage and run a play. Because you're either getting a penalty or you're going to catch them off guard. And it happened, whatever, three or four times. And a couple times Kenneth Walker then took off for a touchdown. But it seemed like it's on a few of those runs for Walker, I don't know what you guys thought. Like It's almost like Michigan called the right defense. Like They, they kind of had him bottled up, either yeah. like at the line of scrimmage or a yard or two you know, a yard or two gain, but then he either bounced it outside or he broke two tackles and, you know, he made a guy miss and then he was off for 50 yards and another touchdown. So it's almost like they, the defense actually played right. like pretty well. But when you see Walker's stat line, obviously you think like, oh, that, he just absolutely owned them. So it's just like when you try and point at like one thing, you know, like we, after a game you try and point at like, ah, oh, man, you know, this happened or, you know, whatever, like this is where Michigan blew it. It's kind of tough to do that. I mean, obviously probably it is. Kenneth Walker and like you said, you're giving up those a couple of those third and fourth down conversions. But yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. They, it does seem like Michigan in some of these games, they like in the past they would have a guy like Charles Woodson or yeah. a guy like Braylon Edwards, like against Michigan State, they would have a guy like rise up and have that like Heisman moment type of thing. Like we were talking about, you wanted it to be Corum in the fourth quarter, or I was talking about Kate McNamara. You know, it and it seems like Michigan just hasn't had that. Whereas Michigan State. They have Kenneth Walker doing that. Or even the, the kid who intercepted McNamara's pass at the end of the game was a yeah. true freshman. They have a kid step up and pick off that pass one-handed. So it just seems like Michigan, like you said, maybe snake bitten. And, you know, if they do it to themselves. I don't know. But it, it sure sucks because they were right there oh, and I th- let it slip. I do think sometimes they do it to themselves. I mean, it, mentally. It, they do it to themselves yeah. when when the tide starts going against them even if they're ahead all of a sudden i think something goes in their mind that uh oh here we go again but, but us fans i mean tell me you're you're as soon as they went down 22 to 30 i mean are you not thinking oh here we go again oh, i mean I, we are all thinking yes. it. it's it's just because we've been conditioned right I mean, and that is kind of the saddest part about this loss you look at the harbaugh era it went downhill and this season was the you know the restart and all we needed to do was beat, win that Michigan State game. Even if we had lost Ohio State, you know, even if we lost to Penn State, if you just win that Michigan State game, you know, everyone is looking at this program as like a totally different team. You know, with Harbaugh, with these new young coaches, the fact that we lost that game is just how do you not look back and say, just like all these other teams that Michigan has had in the past, we beat the the bad teams. Anytime we play a good team, we lose. And I, you just, it's sad for Harbaugh. You just think, how many times can we reset this program under the same coach without you know just feeling like we we're we're, we're in Groundhog's Day with this damn team? It, that's what it feels like right now. We're going to do the same thing next year. You know, we'll start strong. We'll get the, you know, we'll start reading into the tea leaves. We'll start drinking the Kool-Aid and a big game will come and something like this will happen yet again. Yeah. And it's hard not to think otherwise because we've, we've seen the same movie play out 20 different times now, basically since, basically since Mike Hart started talking shit It's when everything started to turn. And when, you know, when Lloyd Carr got retired or whatever happened there, and they hired Rich Rod. Everything has started to turn since then. But, you know, it, it's tough for me to, and kind of like what you're talking about, Jared, what makes it kind of sting even more is I 
I'm not trying. I don't think this. I'm, I'm like my Michigan fandom is coming out. I really think Michigan is a good team. I think Michigan State has clearly shown they're a very good team too. I'm not. I don't know if they're going to run the table and go undefeated. I'm curious to see how they they play the rest of the way. I think Michigan. I think they have a good team, yeah. and that's what makes it like sting even more because it does feel like if they would have won this way again, any way they could have figured out how to win this game. A Jake Moody last second field goal, like you were saying, Ted, mm-hmm. or any way that they could have figured out how to win this game, they had a legit shot to maybe win the Big Ten this year. So that's what kind of makes it sting even more. So then you start to wonder, kind of like what we're talking about with what's going on with Michigan football, is are they about to collapse and end up eight and four and starting off seven and zero just really didn't matter, or are we going to see the players come together and be like, hey? Let's finish this season. We still have a shot to like accomplish a lot of goals. Let's let's beat Indiana this week, beat Valley and win, and then let's focus on Ohio State. You know, like I, I'm curious to see where it goes because I almost feel like uh, almost I don't know what you guys think. We can talk about it, but Harbaugh almost has to like win out to justify bringing him back next year. I, I mean, don't... I don't want to say that because I'm not out on Harbaugh, but. I mean, you're 0-2 versus Mel Tucker, and so it's just kind of like, how long do we keep defending Harbaugh? You know, here, here's where I was. I, I'm kind of surprised that I felt this way. I'm kind of 100 in the Harbaugh train, where I don't yeah. care if it takes 30 years. I don't care if you know it never happens. I want to see this thing through till the end. I need a Harbaugh Big Ten championship more than a Lions Super Bowl, more than <laughs> just about anything else in sports. I need to, because think about it. I mean. We all thought that this was 100% going to work. And I feel like we all, nobody has totally quit on him. I don't think. I, like, it just still seems like we're still, like, right there on the cusp of really, like, putting something together. And it's just, I'm not ready to give up on this guy. One, because he's just such a character that you want to root for and you love him being, like, on the sidelines every week and the stories that come with him. I just, I'm not ready to say goodbye to him. I'm really not. Even if we lose the rest of these games, I just. I need him around in, in, in Ann Arbor. I need him there. Ted, before you jump in, the one thing I, I feel like all he needs is that you said he's right on the cusp. They just need that like that one they need to win one of these games to like get over the edge. And obviously the big one is Ohio State. And right. then I feel like it's snowball. But they keep yeah. losing these games. So that, and it's like every one every game is, you know, so close and it, it feels like we're the better team. And the other thing that's just so sad about this loss is the fact that we're never going to have a Michigan-Michigan State game like that ever again. Let's just say, let me just say this first, what a great game it was. It really Tremendous. was. Think, you know, the silver lining is, hey, we hyped it up the whole season and we were all so excited for it and it lived up to the billing. It's rare that that ever happens where all the hype and everything and it just totally delivers in every way. Every way. But it's just depressing because that's the one time, you know, we beat Michigan State when they're not very good. You know, that's what everyone's saying. Like, oh, when Mel Tucker leaves, if he leaves, you know, we can go back to kicking their ass. The thing that's not satisfying about beating, you know, Michigan State when they're not very good is they don't care if they lose. Whereas both fan bases were so, like, in need of a win this weekend. And we just had our hearts just, like, ripped out of our chest. And, and they're still in Spartan Stadium, you yeah. know. Well, you know, your comment about the game, I agree with you. I made the comment to my wife. I said, you know, this is one of the greatest college football yeah. games I have oh, yeah. ever seen. And the only thing different, if Michigan would have won, it would have been the greatest <laughs> college football yep. game I'd ever seen. That's the difference. I mean, it, it had everything. I it mean, really it, it had debatable calls. It had great plays. I mean, Cade McNamara, I think he proved all the critics he wrong. He stepped up big when the when it was on the line, and it was just a classic. Now – now it comes down to coaching. I think coaching played a factor in that game too, guys. I mean, Matt, you brought it up. Tell me that isn't coaching 
the whole uh, running the guys on the field and them getting the free plays. I mean, they had the bye week. They were all prepared for that, and that caught Michigan off guard not once, not twice, not three times, four times. Now, how, how do you do that? How do you not make adjustments? Yeah. You know? Yeah, you, you would almost think after the you, – you could tell, like I said, that you could almost tell that Michigan State scouted that. Sure. They said when, when Michigan's running dudes on, get to the line and run a play. So, right, after the first or second time you see that, Maybe, yeah, you, you adjust. And say, no, we either got to stick with our guys or call a timeout or something because I think at least on two of Walker's touchdowns, one for sure, I think two of Walker's touchdowns, they, they caught Michigan in a substitution and yeah. he basically ran through no one. But, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, oh, man, it, once we talk tough. about it more, it just kind of gets me, I don't know if it's like a depressed feeling or what, but <laughs> um, I, we have to talk about we, we We have to talk about one of the biggest things with the game. Absolutely. I forget if it was I forget if it was Jared or Ted who who brought up the refs. By by no means. Uh, let me disclaimer. No means am I saying the refs lost this game for Michigan. Michigan lost the game. That said, there were definitely some head scratching calls or decisions by the referees yeah. or the replay officials. And the big one being just like an incredible play by Ojabo. Yep. Strip sack. Hutchinson recovers the ball in the end zone for a Michigan touchdown. Would have put him up two scores kind of heading into the locker room would have changed momentum. Just an absolutely huge play and said it wasn't a fumble because his shin was down and, you know, he still had possession of the ball. Uh, where do you guys stand on that? I mean, to me, the biggest thing and, like, kind of the easiest thing, that everyone knows the, the, the verbiage that, that's used with this, the indisputable, indisputable evidence thing. To me, there wasn't indisputable evidence to overturn that play. No. It, it may have been very iffy. But I didn't see anything clear-cut to say that was not a fumble to overturn it. And no, that did not decide the game. But you cannot say that that was not a huge moment in that game. It's bull- No, it's bullshit. I mean, here is where like we start getting caught up in the stupid rules more than just like being a football fan. Watching that play, the guy is losing the ball as he's going down to the ground. It was like, a ma- it was like, dude, a it's a fumble. It, like, when you start, you know, the instinct of the ref on the field right there makes the call. That is a fumble, and it's right. a touchdown. Not only did Pere- Pereira and Joel Klatt, like, basically were flabbergasted that they overturned it, it just it just made no sense. And, Matt, you're right. I, I, I said it right after the game, you know, I, you can't blame the refs every time we lose. That play definitely hurt, and but – God, it definitely should have been a touchdown, 100. percent And and it's not it's not fair to say that it wouldn't have been a totally different game if right. that was a touchdown. People will say, oh well, they got a field goal out of it. The momentum Four that points. that would have brought Michigan right then and there, it, it would have made it an entirely different game. Yeah, you just can't say that that doesn't make a difference. Everything like that makes a difference, you know. And I don't know, it, <laughs> I'm st- I might have lost for words. Really, I mean, it's just it is depressing yeah. being a Michigan fan. But, okay, here's where they have to regroup. Like you said, they have to get on the road, you know, a Saturday night game in Indiana, look past the Hoosiers. Yeah, they're not having the same same season they had a year ago, but that, that could be a tough game. But that could be a game, too, where they can wipe out this Michigan State game out of their memory because they still got to look ahead to Penn State and right. Ohio State. They can't, honestly. Yeah. I, I'm not going to pay attention to this team until they're up at halftime over Penn State. Mm-hmm. Then I'll be back in on them. You know, right. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm not. I'm not going to. You know, fool me once, shame on. Uh, shame on you. Fool me twice. Uh, what is it? Shame on me or whatever. <laughs> you can't fool me three times. Uh, it's just if, if they show me and they prove to me that hey, that was just a fluke game and we are a legit team and we can still do something this year. I'll tune back in, but I'm not watching them play Indiana. I, I need a week off, honestly. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it, yeah, you almost do feel like after that you need a week off. And I think I think the Indiana game, kind of like what you guys are saying, it, it's going to tell us a lot. No, it's not going to show us exactly how the rest of the season is going to go. But I think if they come out completely flat, go down 17 points early, or they're losing by 10 at half, just looking terrible, I think it's going to kind of tell you a lot. Like you, you might see a lot of guys kind of checked out. And hopefully, like I, I saw someone tweeted one of the – Michigan insiders, or I don't, I forget if it was a reporter or insider, but he said that Mike Sander, still, you know, one of the wide receivers, told him that either before or after practice today, they were holding holding a players only meeting, basically to like refocus to right. say, basically say everything we're talking about. Hey, the season isn't over. We still have a lot to play for. So it's cool. That I've been talking about it nonstop. It's cool for me to see players apparently taking ownership and looking each other in the eye and saying, hey, man, we can still play for a lot. Because we, we all know, I mean, we can ask the question, and I'll, I'll lay it out. I, I tweeted it out um, from our three-point pod page. If Michigan runs the table and is sitting at 10-1 and one going into the Ohio State game, do you have, to, in your guys' opinion, do you have to win that Ohio State game for it to be a su- successful season? Or if they end up 10-2 and two with a loss to Michigan State and Ohio State, you know, are you saying Harbaugh's got to go? So I already stated my case on Harbaugh. Um, I would say it's not a. It's, I wouldn't uh, qualify it as like a bad season, but it's a good season. Uh, it's just we've had so many of those seasons that it's it's just like white noise almost. It's like I, who gives a shit? Yeah. Ten and two, yeah. you know. Beat Michigan. You guys know me. The most important game on, on my schedule. I'd rather beat Michigan State and lose the rest of the games. So a nice little consolation prize, one hundred percent, would be an Ohio State victory. But if they lose that game, finish ten and two, it's. It's a season that's forgotten in yeah. Michigan lore. It Prepare really is. again for next year, but I think Harbaugh sticks around at ten and two with those two losses, even as bad as they hurt. You know, and we got to. I think we forget sometimes that this Michigan State team. That's a pretty it damn is. good team. It, I mean, they matched up well against Michigan. I thought overall it seemed like Michigan maybe was out playing them until the momentum switched. You know, uh, and then. Uh, State banged off those two long runs by Walker, but it's a good team. Now, if you're a Michigan fan and you regroup and you can get by Penn State and Ohio State along with Maryland and Indiana, you're sitting in a pretty good position. And, you know, you're rolling the dice a little bit that Michigan State has to stay focused because if they slip up and lose to both Penn State right. and Ohio yeah, State, you're still in pretty good it, position. It, 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 it could be very similar to the year we won the, the Sugar Bowl where right. we got our ass whipped by Michigan State. They ended up you know, having to go play Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game, lost. We were sitting there you know, with, I think, two losses, and we ended up going to a BCS game. I could see something along sure. those lines happening. It just seems like we got you know, to handle our go. business. I mean, we, we, really, we don't control our destiny anymore. Right. You know, If Michigan State goes undefeated, uh, there's nothing we can do about it. They're going to the Big Ten Championship. Well, I like our chances, though, if they – if they the table, yeah, right. you know, you're sitting in a great spot. Now, again, we've talked about Harbaugh, and let's let's talk about Michigan State's coach. I mean, the guy guy gets it done. I mean, I mean, it's just he's really stamping himself you, as a big time coach. You know, it's really, when you look at that. I mean, I, I didn't realize that they have 40 new players this right. year, all tri- via. I think that he's really kind of similar to what Calipari was doing with the one and done. I see. I think he's found something with this transfer portal. It makes so much sense. <laughs> we get guys that you know are SEC bounce backs. We get you know somebody like Kenneth Walker. Which where the hell wow. did he come from? Right. How it just blows. It's not like he came from Alabama or something. He came from Wake, Wake Forest, Forest, which Wake Forest is having a great year. But how do they not keep that guy in the mix somehow? I mean, wow. It, did he just totally blossom at Michigan State? Does Mel Tucker like that much of a developer? I don't know. But I really do think he's found something in that transfer portal where, 
in two years he can do more than what Harbaugh has been trying to build for eight years. I mean, maybe Harbaugh needs to start looking at this transfer portal as a way to get some quick talent in, you know, to fill in some gaps for next year's team. The thing with the the transfer portal and talking about Harbaugh in Michigan is uh, it, this isn't this isn't any sort of shot at Michigan State academics or anything, but mm-hmm. it is harder to get into Michigan than right. it is Michigan State. And there's there's been reports of players wanting to transfer to Michigan, but they can't get in. So that you know that does come into play. Like obviously, a lot of players slip slip through the cracks. We know it, there's a lot of dirty stuff that goes on in recruiting and and college football and college sports in general and all that stuff, but. There have been, you know, talks of that, like with the transfer portal. Like some schools are going to do better than others just because of academic standards. So that, that's kind of interesting. I saw someone say that Mel Tucker, like, obviously flipped Michigan State very quickly. But, like, is this like a sustainable, right. um, I guess, like recruiting practice? Like always relying on 30 or 40 recruits transferring in every year? You know, I've seen some people talk about that because, you know, sometimes you build a program by getting guys that are in your program for two, three, four years. So I'm just trying, you know, throwing out some of the different things right. that people are talking about. But, yeah, you can't can't take anything away from what he's done. I'm very curious to see if he sticks around Michigan State, though. If they, Like you guys are talking about, if he runs the table, wins the Big Ten, makes a playoff, you got to know that some, some SEC schools or some bigger schools are going to be throwing yeah. a ton of money at him. But I don't know. It's going to be – it's interesting to see. But it's cool. I think, Jared, you've probably talked about it. We've all talked about it. It is cool to see this. Yes, as Michigan fans, we don't want to be losing these games. But seeing the rivalry as like yeah. fired up as it is, a classic game like that, it is cool to see like the rivalry actually meaning something, you know. No, I, I don't want Mel Tucker gone. I mean, I laugh about it, you know. If I'm him, by the way, I, I don't think he's he's got it made. You know, he's got it similar to like what Brett Bielma had at Wisconsin. You know, where you're just gonna keep chugging along, and as soon as you build that brand up at Michigan State, getting the recruiting going. I mean, this huge win this past Saturday is gonna be a big time with Michigan recruits. Why do you leave? Especially you go to the SEC. Maybe if Nick Saban's retired, maybe I would consider it if I was him. But you know, you must really love money if you're gonna go join the SEC with all those. There's hell of a coaches there. There's hell of talent there. He's not an SEC guy. He's not going to know the recruiting ground the same way that he does up here at Michigan State. I just I think it would be a dumb move for him. Stay here, win the Big Ten. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. My my gut feel is he's going to stick around. I know LSU is going to make a serious run at him. I would think, but yeah. uh, I my gut feel tells me he'll stick around. It was funny, you know. I told you, I I tweeted it. I think I really was extremely pumped up for this game Saturday. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I had both the, the big noon show and <laughs> game day. You know, game day I got to watch from 9 to 10 yep. live, and then I, I went back and forth. I recorded both on my DVR, and you wow. know, I'd watch all the stuff that they had on Michigan and Michigan State. It was awesome. I was ready to go at noon. Yeah. And then sitting back and watching that game, it still, it, it kind of wore me out. It was such it was an intense game. It was a long game, game too. Intense game. Uh, we buried, you know, how about Andrew Anthony just starting Absolutely. the game off? You know, just what an electric player that just came out of nowhere. I, I mean, has he been taking snaps this whole year and I just haven't noticed? Or am I am I reading no. it right that he just basically came out of nowhere and he's looked like the best receiver Michigan has? He's played about five snaps, I think, all season. How long. does that happen? <laughs> like that's the sort of the type of thing you look at Harbaugh. What is going on in the, in those practices? I'll, I'll, well, I don't want to say that you were wrong, Ted, but I did see someone report the numbers he had taken. About seventy snaps. Oh Jesus! And, <laughs> but that's not and, but a ton, you, think about you know. Through through seven games, yeah. You know that's only whatever, like a hand, you know, whatever ten ten a game. But he took that same number, basically seventy through the season. He took about seventy on this past Saturday. Right. 
um, where he looked like he should never leave the field on offense anymore. I think he we, – we have, you know, obviously too bad we wish Ronnie Bell was still out there. Yeah. We like Cornelius Johnson and some of the other guys. I think Andrew Anthony, he, he should never leave the field on, on offense. He, he did enough for me. Going up and getting the ball, diving to catch the ball. He There was that one play where he caught it and, like, cut inside, but then he was smart enough to, like, run and dive out of bounds to stop the clock. Yep. He showed enough to me. The, yeah. the dude, he's, he's wearing number one. He should be the number one receiver. He shouldn't leave the field. But um, I, I know we're, we're probably getting close. We could probably talk about this for two or three more hours and really get fired up. But um, <laughs> I, I want to ask you guys. I've caught, I've caught a little flack on Twitter because of what I said in our instant reaction video. I, I want to see. I want to know what you guys think. Watching that game, I don't know if it was because I'm a Michigan fan. That game, the, the broadcast, the actual broadcast, felt heavily favoring Michigan State. It just felt like it felt like we only saw like two or three cutaways to Harbaugh. It felt like Gus and Joel were kind of like just pumping up Michigan State the whole time. And anytime Michigan would do something good, yeah, maybe they'd be a little fired up, but then it'd go back to talking about Michigan State. They were cutting to Tucker all the time. Gus kept bringing up how Tucker was talking about how we're tougher than you know Michigan. Joel was just like talking so much about Kenneth Walker, rightfully so, obviously. But I don't, like, what did you guys think? It just felt like it was a very like pro Michigan State broadcast. Yeah, I, here's the way I, I look at it, and I'll be curious to see, hear what you say, Ted, as like a play-by-play guy. The way I, I think of it is you look at everything that went into that game. Michigan jumps out to the early lead. Michigan State comes thundering back. The crowd's like going crazy. Kenneth Walker's having a historic performance that you're going to remember for the rest of your life. I just think if you're Gus Johnson and you're those guys, how do you not get swept up in that and just start, you know, maybe there's no way to control your human instincts to get a little bit more excited when a team is making an improbable comeback compared to Michigan, who is, you know, choking. And it just, Michigan State made a lot more kind of, you know, big time plays, I felt like, when the pressure was really on that it could give the impression that uh, Gus Johnson might have been pulling for state. As for Joel Klatt, I mean, we know it. Joel Klatt's the number one Michigan guy, I feel like, you know, in terms of the media. He's on – I feel like every week he's on Colin Coward's show talking about Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, you know, giving us some national publicity. Uh, but, no, I can see why you would think that, but I think it was more just the way the game was going, getting swept up in the emotion of it uh, is why it kind of felt that way. Yeah, I kind of lean that way too, just mainly – I think you tweeted it, Matt, and I started paying a lot closer attention to it. And from that point, it did seem like they were more pro-Michigan State. But to Jared's point, the game kind of the momentum had all switched, you know, and then their juices get flowing and it just was headed that way. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I can't really comment for sure, but I do know they were very excited you know, which is what you want to hear. You know, and it sounds like you're a little game. bit upset uh, about Gus Johnson. Ah, well, he well, at the end, man. I mean, I didn't, I couldn't even understand what he was saying. He was screaming so loud. <laughs> there was one call that I was like, you know, I don't know what the hell you're saying. I love the energy, but it was one of Walker's touchdowns. Yeah. But he also had some classic ones. I mean, when Andrew Anthony scored, you know, welcome home or whatever, and then he, right. he gives out the woo. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I was loving it at him at that point. Uh, and then when Kenneth Walker scored and he says, you know, hello, New York or whatever, I thought those were a couple of great calls, but I don't know. I think, I think maybe we're just a little bit jaded, Matt, that it just ended up not going in our favor. Yeah. No, no, that's fair. And you know, maybe, uh, like I said, maybe it's because I was a Michigan fan. So I was seeing so much Michigan state (laughs) here and so much Michigan state making it stand out, making it like stab me in the gut a little more, but yeah, it was maybe, yeah, if it went Michigan's way, it probably would have been a little more enjoyable, but. 
man, clearly we're still not over this game. No, clearly, <laughs> no. clearly. You, I will say, man, what you talk about the place to be, Matt. If you were in college, I know you probably even if Michigan would have lost, you probably still would have been there eating it up. Spartan Stadium, that's the most electric that place has ever been. Oh, yeah. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care if it was a noon kick. What a crowd, <laughs> and and then East Lansing afterward. I mean, the the perfect combo of Halloween weekend with the biggest Michigan State football win maybe ever. I mean, that place is on fire. It yeah. literally was on fire with and, couches. And this, yeah. <laughs> and this is going to sound like the old geezer in me. But man, why why really do you have to do that? I, I, the couches, that doesn't bother me as much as the vandalism. Yeah, I that's, saw they, it's idiotic. They, I don't know why they do that. They turned some poor guy's van over and kicked in the windshield oh, I, and <laughs> jumped on top of it. I mean, why, why that mentality? Why would you not just kids, go have fun at the bar? Kids will do anything for clout, man. That's for what clout? it is yep. for yeah. internet clout. That's why that kid's that's doing it. You, you think he doesn't know he's on, getting recorded and – I, like, I don't understand. I don't understand the mental, uh, like what's going on in that kid's head where he thinks he's cool for doing that. Right. But that is 100 percent the motivation is this is getting posted to you know barstool or whatever, right. and that's why he's doing it. Wow. Any sort of attention is well, is is attention. You know. I guess <laughs> that's today's age, right? Yeah. It really is. it's weird, but I don't get it. Yeah. It's a, I think it's everything Jared said combined with that mob mentality, mm-hmm. and you know that. Michigan State kind of has, you know, jokingly, you, I mean, Ted, you remember when the couches kind of started back in like the whatever, mid-90s, yep. Maybe probably before that too, but I just remember, me remember started hearing about it like in the mid-late 90s, Michigan State fans burning couches, and now that's kind of, it's almost like their it's identity, their thing. either like after a big loss or a big win, uh-oh, watch out for the couches in East Lansing, and now it has snowballed into legitimate vandalism, I mean, yeah. legitimate criminal activity that yes and like jared said people are looking for clout dudes recording it they get fired up that mob mentality they want to be on world star they want to be on twitter they went wherever and hey, you find yourself in jail kicked out of school yeah they better make some big money to get themselves out of jail with bail because <laughs> and you know what, what's what's funny what cracked me up about that video on the exact same and you know everyone's like talking about this guy who like pushed the kids off the right, window right. like he's some hero dude what are you saving? That car is literally flipped <laughs> over. The window is already destroyed. Might as well, for the laughs, might as well watch this guy kick through it. I mean, people are acting like this guy was some, you know, white knight, dude. He was doing that for clout as well. You know, I, it, it just cracks me up. Well, I like his clout better. Yeah, than I, I will agree with that. I will agree with that. But it's also like, dude, I mean, what do you, what do you stop him? Uh, it was funny that he ended up like after the kid went back and kicked it again. He, he went after him. He did a great video. You know, I changed yeah. my opinion. I like that kid because yeah. he, you know, after he had the original moment, he went back and fought the kid pretty much over it. So it was not entirely for clout. There you go. All right. Any anything else? Anything else we got to get off our chest for this Michigan Michigan State game, or should we move on? Do you think? Let's move on. Uh, I, I think we we move on. I, uh, the last thing I'll say is I'm, I'm definitely not. I don't know if I kind of. I'm not off the hardball train either. I'm, I'm with Jared. I, I want to see this through. I want to see this dude succeed. Yep. I like him. <laughs> and I think kind of like what we said, Andrew Anthony, you got some freshmen, J.J. McCarthy. So we're going to keep saying maybe next year, right? Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Maybe the end of the season. Hey, if they, if they, even if they lose to Penn State and beat Osta, Ohio State, I'll be okay. Yeah, honestly, that's yeah. – hell yeah. I don't, if they lose to Indiana and they lose to Penn State and they beat Ohio State, yeah. it, I, I could care less at season. this point. I will, I will give you both credit, and mostly you, Jared, that if you look at the whole picture here in the last 20, 25 years – 
Michigan State probably is Michigan's biggest rival because oh yeah, it's let's like a five hundred record. Let's cut the shit with Ohio State. You're telling me there is not the same hatred among the fans, among the players. You know, oh, we like to act wrong. like I hate Ohio State but more re- than Michigan how? State. How? I hate Ohio State. That's just well, there's there. no there's no connection to Ohio State. I don't know a single Ohio State fan, but well, uh, but that's what a rivalry really is: is Michigan, Michigan State. When I think of a rivalry. It's Michigan, Michigan State. Now, maybe, you know, Michigan, Ohio State has the pageantry and kind of the bullshit, but when it gets down to what a rivalry is really about, which is hatred, and people really care about that game, I think Michigan, Michigan State is is the biggest game on the calendar for me. And probably it, the majority agree with you that are in Matt's and your age group. I remember back to the days, though. <laughs> I'm just giving you credit that I agree that the Michigan-Michigan State <laughs> game. Here's how I put it. Michigan-Michigan State, that's the greatest rivalry, but I hate Ohio State. I don't hate <laughs> Michigan State. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I, I think I think that, we, we talk about the generational thing on this podcast a lot. I think the either Michigan-Michigan State or Michigan-Ohio State thing is like the biggest generational discussion. Mm-hmm. Because, you, you yeah, you hear about the game, the game, Michigan-Ohio State, greatest rivalry. And, yeah, I think there's a large, probably multiple generations who look at it what Jared's saying. Sure. Why is this the, the game? Why is this the game? I mean, Ohio State just kind of dominates. I mean, it's been back and forth, you know, traditionally. But lately, it's been Ohio State just dominating. The Michigan-Michigan State one has legitimate hate. And that's why I like sometimes <laughs> yeah. like texting my friends who still live in Michigan, you know, about the game and stuff like that. One of the biggest things that you, you can't stand losing to Michigan State, for sure. You want to win the game. But one of the biggest things that they tell me is, like, they work with all Michigan State fans. Yeah. Or all of their in-laws are Michigan State fans, and they've got to go spend time with them and hear about it. You know, so that's where, like, the true hatred comes from. Maybe I'm a little, like, now, you know, having lived outside of the state for a while, disconnected from that part a little bit. But, yeah, when you're when you're amongst those fans and you just got to see that green and white flying around all the time and hear that Sparty shit talk, Oh, man, that, that would bother no, me. No, that's exactly right. You know, when we lose to Ohio State, it's crickets. I don't hear anything. Right. When we lose to Michigan State, I, I'm, I'm getting like 15 messages. It's true. And, and you know, I, I, at one point, a text message, literally all it was was the stupid, like, face emoji that, like, can match your face. Just one of my buddies laughing for 30 minutes with a, like, a <laughs> squirrel as, like, the, like, that's the type of shit you see. When you play Ohio State, you don't get that. How? And, and maybe we should start. You know, everyone's like, we're all beat Ohio, beat Ohio. Michigan State, they're in their weight room, you know, they're beat Michigan. For sure. And you can't tell me that in a game like that where it comes down to, you know, a play here, a play there, toughness, uh, just flat out, like, just kind of wanting the game more. How do you not, you know, start to point at that sort of stuff? Let's start focusing on Michigan State. If we lose to Ohio State, you know, I bet you if we stop taking Ohio State as such this big game, stop hyping it up so much, I bet you we'll probably do better in the game than and, we've been doing. And should we maybe finally put to rest this bullshit Little brother thing. I know. I mean, it, I'm so Michigan State's the one that. that keeps it rolling. I don't. Uh, what was the last time you heard somebody like, "Oh, my little brother"? Oh, Taylor Lewin, didn't he? That's another thing. The Michigan. I don't Why know. Don't I think it was Aunt Wright. Shot. Aunt Wright that tweeted out the Michigan alums who, when they were there, got their ass whipped by state, need to shut their mouths because <laughs> all it is is just giving a bulletin board. I know. And it's it's like it's every year. As soon as Michigan State wins the game, they they reference that these like tweets and these posts and these videos in the pre- post game press conference. Yep. That's what every state player was talking about. Was that stupid Taylor Lewan video? And that, that's what's wild. I don't know if – I mean, Ted, you, you probably watched. Game day opened with that Taylor Lewan video. I it's saw it, I was yep. just like, 
I was like, oh, my God, you're just adding fuel to the fire. <laughs> what are you doing here? But, yeah. no, like, I, the, the whole little brother thing, we don't need to get way too into it. People kind of forget, like, Mike Hart had legitimate reason to say what right. he said. He was 4-0 against Michigan State. Michigan had won six straight right. against Michigan State. So, like, when he said that, it was just like he probably didn't think it was going to blow up into no. what it is now. But, you know, he, he was 4-0 against Michigan State. He had every right to say that, but, right. Now it it is a little played out. It's a little played out. And people like they, they it's like it's like they try to like mock Mark Mike Hart for doing it. You laid it out perfectly, Matt. The guy put Michigan State in his back pocket for four years. He he wouldn't have quorumed in Saturday's game. Mm-hmm. You know he would have he would have Kenneth Walkered. And so <laughs> it's just funny that people like try to make fun of Mike Hart. Now he is on the Michigan coaching staff, so it makes a little bit more sense. But if I'm that guy, I'm like looking back, like, dude, what do you want from me? I you, I literally embarrassed you guys four straight years. Right. Well, it's the other guys that are talking about it now too. So just shut up. Let's get some wins. <laughs> That's what I say. All right. Let's uh. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back, wrap up the podcast, maybe talk a little bit of pitiful Detroit Lions football. Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management team for installations, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan, the Jankas are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools and, might I add, just local legends in general. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders, and a longtime member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. All right, guys, I know, Matt, you had Halloween duties. I don't know what you were doing yesterday, but I sat and watched that entire debacle <laughs> with my dad. That's impressive. It, it was pre- it was impressive, I have to admit. <laughs> it was the most disgusting display of football. And you know what's sadder? I, I'm in a weekly uh, pick em oh, no. poll, and, and this is the week I picked the Lions to beat the Eagles. And they they laid the baddest egg. I mean, forty four to six. It was not even close. No. They made the Eagles look like Super Bowl teams. I mean, Dan Campbell. Some of his coaching strategies. I have no idea what he was coming up with. And and Jared Goff. <laughs> he's lost out there. I mean, he is. You, you can't sad, just dink but... and dunk. And you know, fourth down that Campbell makes a call on fourth down, and he and and Goff throws the ball away. I mean, what in the hell is going on down there? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's. I always feel dumb thinking like it's the same way after the Michigan State game. I feel bad for Harbaugh. I shouldn't, you know, this guy's making millions of dollars. He's living a dream life. When you really get down to the nuts and bolts, I feel that same way about Jared Goff. It's like, you know, when he throws that out of bounds and he's, you know, ripping off the chin strap. It's. Just, I look at him like, man, I feel bad for this guy. He's been lionized. It, he really has. And and Dan Campbell, you know, we'll see next week. Really, if this team has quit on him, you know, the team that quote unquote never quits seemingly has quit. So I'm not really sure what do we have Dan Campbell in this locker room for anymore. It's not fair because this team is horrible. But with somebody that's like a motivational and you know players coach, if you're losing every game, it's like it, the the shtick just wears off very 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 quick. And I think that's exactly what's happened. They've quit on this guy. Yeah, and that that's what we've talked about every week. It seems like this year is how how long will it take for that shtick to wear thin on the team. 
And yeah, I like you, you said that. I, I didn't watch one second of the game because I was doing Halloween stuff, and I'm glad I didn't waste any time watching the game because that would have been I would have just been even more annoyed or whatever with everything that's going on with the Lions. But that, that and that's all I wonder is I, I still root for the guy. I'm, I'm still rooting yep. for Dan Campbell to succeed in Detroit. But I just I can't help but I kind of said it last week when they were doing all these fake punts and doing everything they could do to beat the Rams and they still lost. It's just it's I said it twenty times last week. It's a clown show, and I just it, it the way that it sounds like Dan Campbell is running the team is like he's just kind of doing whatever the hell he wants. He's trying to yeah it's... he's trying to treat you know preach like toughness, and we're going to go out there and just play hard. It's like no, you got to actually be able to coach. Yeah, you got to actually be able to coach these guys. I mean, these are professional football players. Like you, you got to actually be able to coach, make these decisions in game, do this other stuff, and it just seems like. I mean, I remember seeing reports when he kind of filled in with the Dolphins in that interim term and seeing players say, like, yeah, this dude is, like, you know, fun to play for. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing out there on the field, though. And we're maybe starting to see that a little yeah, bit. Well, it's like, what the f- what the hell were we doing uh, with, like, 10 seconds left for half, fourth and, like, five, or fourth, what was it, a fourth and one? Fourth, yeah. And just take the field take goal. Take the field goal. It's like, this off- you think that we're going to go, you know, 25 yards and <laughs> – and like basically two like what are the chances that we do that and what what like two plays is all we would have had to score like just take the points I, it he coaches like i would and i said this last week he coaches like i would play like madden it's exactly like what it feels like it it's just it doesn't make sense what he's doing and out it's, there it's hard to believe too a guy that went to college guy played pro football for quite a while he coached for Sean Payton i mean it it, it is it that difficult? I mean, you've got great assistants around you. Football is not that difficult a, a game. I don't understand. But here, here's, here's, here's one thing I'll say. Like, you, you say you've got great assistants, and the defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn, he, he's a proven he, a coach in the NFL. Right. But otherwise, like, does he have great assistants? Because, you know, we were all excited about the, these hires they were making, all these former players. Great. Right. are going to get all these guys who are former players, and they're going to connect with the team, and they played in the NFL, all this kind of stuff. But, like, are they good coaches? Like, you know, I'm, I'm really starting to wonder. And, honestly, one thing that, that made me, like, go, oh, God, I don't know about Campbell, actually. A couple weeks ago, I was watching um, the show on ESPN in the morning, Get Up. Yep. Sometimes I flip that on in the morning as, like, background noise and I'm doing some other stuff and listen to them talk about football or whatever. And Rex Ryan, who obviously did have some success in the NFL as a head coach, yep. but, you know, we kind of know, like, how the rest of his tenure went as a head coach. They were talking about the Lions a few weeks ago. I forget after which, what after which game it was. But Rex Ryan said something along the lines of, like, he was standing up for Campbell. He was like, now if you want to talk about a coach that gets it and he's going to have success in the league, he's tough, it's Dan Campbell. This is going to work. When I heard Rex Ryan kind of, like, standing up for Campbell <laughs> like that, it kind of made me like, man, I don't know if this dude gets it. Like, yes, all that may be true. But, like, is he actually going to be a good coach? Like, does that stuff in today's NFL really translate? You know, I don't know. We might, uh, here's, the th- is, here's what is so sad is I wish I could really, like, vehemently say that he's a bad coach. There's no way to know this team is so bad. Right, they are bad. And it's like you look yeah. at a team like the Tampa Bay Bucks or even the Rams, like, there is not a weakness on that roster. You look at, like, the like where they were talking about it today after the Rams made that trade, like, where do you even fill in a draft pick? Like, there's nowhere to fill it on this roster. You look at the Lions, we could draft essentially every single position. 
uh, like every like like the draft needs. Literally every position should be listed for the Detroit Lions in this upcoming draft. Uh, I gotta ask you guys. I mean, you gotta be thinking like, why the hell didn't we take a quarterback? Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you not think that with yeah. Sewell? Like by the time Sewell's contract is is even up, like we're not even gonna have a team around. Like we still may, maybe won't even have a team around this guy. Right. You may be you may be right. I mean, we we may be looking back at that and say we we blew it. I don't know. I I didn't think so at the time. I feel I still think Sewell's going to be good. They have so many holes that in the next couple of years they, they it's, they're going to have to get a quarterback. But it's like you but, you dropped a, a like a like putting Sewell is like you dropped a little grain of sand into a, like a giant glass jar. Well, is what you were like true. with that like oh we got the left tackle position filled like. You got to start somewhere, right? You look at their roster and you talk about how shitty they are, which they are. How many how many guys on that team would you build around and keep? <laughs> Hawkinson, maybe May- Sewell. Oh, could- is there anybody else? That's I, no. I'll that's literally Swift, it. Swift. The, I, I, I don't Swift. even. I'm not blown away by Swift. I it, honestly, those are the two guys, guys that I'm. Two those or three are, players. That's yeah, it. That's it. And they're not even like you're in. And Hawkinson, we're not even sure if he's like you know a superstar tight end. It seems S- like it. Sewell seems like I'm. Um, Sewell seems like he's going to be legit. But yeah. it's just other than that, no. There's I mean, there's no one else. Frank Ragnow, the center is. I guess that's in the true. He just he just obviously hurt. So yeah. you know we're we're kind of missing him. There's those Okwara uh, brothers on the defensive line that look pretty good, but right, like, are they like players that you're going to build around? You know, I don't, I don't know about that. So, yeah, there's, there, like you said, I, it's funny you said that, Jared, because yeah, you think about, you know, the little ticker at the bottom of the NFL draft, like team needs. <laughs> just ESPN just should for the Lions should just put up all. Like, <laughs> I, like seriously, like it is. It they is. need everything. It's funny to joke about, but that's like one hundred, like hundred percent. Like, how do you not put all? Right. There is not a single position like left tackle. That's the only one that is like in tight end. Tight I end. guess that's about it. Yeah. Every other position should be on that list. Wow. Do you notice too? They had about forty-five thousand fans at the game too. I mean, it's start. People are starting to stay away. If you want to watch a Lions and NFL game, this is a year to go. You probably can get some pretty good deals on StubHub. <laughs> All uh, you need to know about me. Listen, I've gone to a game like that, and I remember even as a kid, I was like, I kind of just like didn't even really want to be there. Checked out. Yeah, it was like I think it was like versus the Cleveland Browns. I well, was checked out from the second I walked in well, the stadium. We're, we're obligated to talk Lions, but we don't have to talk long about the Lions. And when I say obligated, I mean it's one of our teams, and you know we're sticking with them. But it's going to be a long year, and I think definitely the first time all season long that I kind of started getting some thoughts about Dan Campbell you know I don't know if he is the long-term answer and I'm I'll just pull them out right now and it, you got to go with him for the rest of this year and next year probably Might as well yeah you got to. you're and, just gonna burn through another head coach if you don't well and then maybe maybe he can tone it down a little bit maybe he can learn a little bit more on what's going on yeah. you know that's all we can hope for yeah but it's depressing to think about it it, it they are lifetime away it feels like yeah, at least michigan you know in my people, lifetime like john bacon was tweeting how you know michigan is like such a tortured fan base i don't know about you i, I would rather have those big games you know be entertained for the three and a half hours even if it means i'm gonna be depressed for a week afterward it's better than whatever the hell the lions have been doing my whole life yeah, which that's is boring. it's just nothing it's just boring right. it's an older way to put it just it's a joke it's not even entertaining at this point i miss stafford <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, i think there is like uh, very big point with the Campbell thing that this roster is terrible. Maybe he is showing that he's not Bill Belichick, obviously. But that, so yes, like you guys said, you have to see it through. Give him a, a couple years, two or three years, see if he can actually learn how to coach. Right. Prove the roster, and then 
you know, kind of see where it is. But I'm glad I didn't waste three or four oh. hours on Sunday watching that game. I You're, can't believe you did. That's, I know. Well, I, I hadn't been over to my dad's torture. in a while. I knew he wanted some company for football. We brought some Main Street pizza. I like the Main Street special, by the way. It's really oh, yeah. good. Very good. It's, Very good. It's awesome. So it wasn't a total lost deal, you know. Anyway, but yeah, you got Main Street Pizza. What are you talking? That that's the highlight. Yeah, right? and, sure. Got rivals. Got to watch the game with your dad. That that you got to watch another a Lions game with your dad and eat Main Street Pizza. Who cares about how the game went? Yeah, but Jared brought a good point up too. Should got rivals. Should've. I forgot. Yeah, next time. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you talk about depressing. I mean, our uh, my grandpa, man, he's nine, he's ninety one years old now, <laughs> and you have to think about him. What's going through his mind watching? You know what? This is like his last go around this regime. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully not. I say hopefully not. But um, you know, obviously, he doesn't have a super long time to live left. And this team is just so far away. It's like, man, if I was him, I'd be you know crying myself to sleep that right. night. Well, he was he was breaking down some of the flaws on the team. I will tell you that he <laughs> he knows his football and he's he still does. sharp when it yep. comes to to watching football. So it was it was fun hanging out with the old man. All right, guys, let's call it a pot. I think we've rambled on enough. Everybody out there listening, make sure you give us a follow at Three Point Pod. Make sure you let our partners know you listen in and enjoy the show. They include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, JJ's Excavating and Tree Service, Kendall Drugs and Corona Rivals, Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. Where are you off to this uh, weekend, Jared? Uh, it's you know arguably best game in the state. It's going to be a great one. Uh, River Rouge at MLK. Uh, so much talent, and I mean, hopefully, man, you know, knock on wood, uh, Dante Moore, MLK's quarterback, one of the best high school football players I've ever seen. Hopefully, he's wearing uh, the maize and blue in a couple years, so we'll see, but it's going to be a great one. Is that a Friday nighter? Friday night, yeah. All right, and I got a Friday night duty, too. Uh, we're actually going to be doing a big Division Seven matchup as uh, New Lothrop goes over to Puama Westphalia to take on the Pirates 10-0. They're legit. New Lothar's played a real tough schedule. It's a little deceiving at 7-3, so it should be a heck of a game. Yeah. And, of course, we're pulling for our front of Cavaliers on the road yep. over there into the thumb, so go Cavs. That's what I got going on. And until next time, for Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel saying so long, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. Hey gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan Chapter, serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease, and every 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org. Three Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid-Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at Three Point Pod or by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.